Uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 20 uh, is what we're looking at this morning. You'll find the words behind me. Uh, if you've got them, you can find them in front of you. They'll be on your screen. Um, Matthew 5, 13 through 20. Uh, these are some words that Jesus uh, spoke at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, just after the Beatitudes. Uh, and I've preached on this before. Uh, I got caught up in a little different way uh, this time, which I'm a little excited about. Um, that's Now I'm setting myself up for big failure. Um, but anyway, I think we're going to have fun uh, this morning. Uh, so before we read it, let's pray together. Again, Lord, we are grateful for this book. Grateful for your word. We're, we're grateful for... We're grateful for the presence of your spirit. Which is our helper. So that we can come to these ancient words and figure out what they mean for us today. And so, Spirit, we can't do this without you. So we pray that you would open our hearts and minds, that you would help us to, to hear your voice once again. Because you're, we know your voice is transformative. It's generative. It creates new things. So we ask that you would do that in us once again so that we might look and act and love more like Jesus. Amen. Jesus says to the crowd around him, you are the salt of the earth. Could stop there, because that's where we're going to hang out today. But I'm going to keep going. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out, trampled on. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We will go that far. You are the salt of the earth. Have you heard of pink Himalayan salt? Anybody heard of pink Himalayan salt? I think I might be a little late to the game, but apparently pink Himalayan salt is a thing. It's supposed to be this like super salt. It's supposed to be salt with like muscles. Like you're supposed to, at least if you believe the, the TikToks and Instagram reels, like I watched one video 
on pink Himalayan salt, and I can't get rid of it. It's all over the place. All right, but apparently this is a thing. You're supposed to mix it in with your water in the morning. First thing in the morning, first 30 minutes you're awake, you're supposed to drink Himalayan salt, pink Himalayan salt water. It's supposed to give you all the elect- electrolytes that your body needs. Apparently, it, it makes the water match the salt content in your blood a little bit better so that it's, it's more easily absorbed. Again, I'm getting this information from TikTok. Don't look at me. This is what the world is now, right? It'll help with other things too, right? It helps with headaches. It helps with migraines. It's supposed to, it's supposed to help with muscle aches. It'll get rid of brain fog. It'll heal your digestive tract, right? Pink Himalayan salt. You knew this was a thing. You've heard of it. That's good. So here's the deal though. There is many people like everything else in our world right now, this is dividing our country. Because you'll find just as many people on the opposite side of the pink Himalayan salt craze. They'll tell you that it's super bad for you, that it's full of all sorts of different chemicals and minerals that are terrible for you, and it's bad for your health. Don't eat or consume pink Himalayan salt. Then I found this other guy, this doctor from the Mayo Clinic, who's right in the middle. And he said, pink Himalayan salt? Eh, it's just salt. It's no different than regular salt. It's just salt. What are we making such a big deal out of this for? All I know, so I don't know what to think about pink Himalayan salt. Uh, All I know is I've got this pink Himalayan salt slab that I put on my grill, and it does some pretty good work for me. It's seasoned steak like a boss. I love it. So the only reason I bring this up is because I want us thinking about salt. And that we're not going to quit thinking about salt until we're done here. Now, we use salt for all sorts of things, right? Brings out flavor in food. We use it to melt ice in our parking lots. We use it to soften water. If you put salt while you're trying to boil some water, it'll make it boil faster. I'm not a chemist. have no idea how that works. I just know you're supposed to put salt in the water, it'll make it boil faster. It'll soothe a sore throat. You can use it to, to clean out your, your sinus cavities. Ew. Have any of you done the neti pot? I'm not going to do it. It makes, me, it makes me feel squeamish. But you can put salt water through that thing and it'll clean out. Anyway, gross. It'll cleanse wounds. If our bodies don't have enough salt, guess what? We can get really sick. We can die. If we have too much salt in our bodies, guess what? We can get really sick. We can die from salt poisoning, right? So we know how important salt is. Well, guess what? People in Jesus' context, they knew how important salt was as well. Back then, here's some things they thought and believed and used salt for. They believed that salt could, could ward off evil spirits, Sometimes covenants, agreements between people were sealed with salt because salt was precious. Like, I mean this agreement with you, so I'm going to prove it by using salt, right? It was precious. Salt was used to disinfect wounds, to stop bleeding, to stimulate thirst. Roman soldiers, maybe you've heard this before, were paid sometimes in salt. It's where we get our word salary. It comes from the word salt. And before humanity had freezers and refrigerators, we used salt to preserve food. People were pretty smart back then. Salt was important, powerful, 
necessary. We've known this for a very, very long time. In our story this morning, people looks, Jesus looks at the people around him and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So for the rest of our time this morning, we are going to play with this one metaphor. You are the salt of the earth. And before we get into it, I want to recognize that sometimes you can take a metaphor too far. So I don't want to do that. Let's be a little bit careful. We'll go easy here because sometimes you can go nuts with a metaphor. It's why Jesus uses so many different metaphors to talk about what it's like to follow him to talk about what it's like to live life in this thing that he calls the kingdom of God. No one single metaphor can fully capture it all. But when Jesus looks at the people around him and he says, you are the salt of the earth, I think he's saying some pretty, pretty powerful things. So we're just going to dive into this. We're going to use our imaginations, or I'm going to invite you into using your imagination along with my imagination, and maybe some things will pop here, and maybe one or two things will be helpful. Are you ready? You are the salt of the earth. First, I think part of what Jesus is saying is that the people he was talking to, and by extension you and me, our lives have a lot of divine value. They and we we are precious. You know what? I skipped. First, I just skipped way ahead. The first thing I want to say, <laughs> I've never, I've literally never done that. Here's what Jesus is saying, I think, to the people he's talking to and to you and me. He's telling us who we are. He's saying, you are salt. And I think this is important. Let's think just for a moment about what Jesus isn't saying. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Jesus doesn't say, hey, hey, you should try really, really hard to be the salt of the earth. In fact, you should go to, you should go to your pastor, or you should go to your rabbi back then, or you should go, you should go to the elders you should have them lay hands on you because there's this hierarchical system and make sure that they think you're salt of the earth before you can actually be salt of the earth. Jesus doesn't say you should become more like salt so that you will receive divine favor. Nope, none of that. Jesus doesn't say that. He says you are salt of the earth. Jesus isn't commanding anything. Jesus isn't giving us anything to strive for. Jesus isn't giving advice here. No, no. The language he uses isn't in the imperative at all. It's descriptive. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus is telling us who we are. Jesus is giving us a part of our identity. We are salt. Friends, here's the deal. Whether we like it or not, we are salt. We are salt, which means that what we do and what we say and how we do what we do and say what we say matters. It matters. It matters a whole bunch. Like salt, we can either enhance or make gross.
Like salt, we can either soothe or we can make worse. Like salt, we can either preserve or completely ruin. Whether we like it or not, we are salt, which means that what we say, what we do, how we say what we say and do what we do will spiritually impact the people around us. We are salt. You are the salt of the earth. Next. I think what Jesus is saying is that our lives have a whole lot of divine value. We got there. Our lives have a whole lot of divine value. We, we are precious. Now in our world, it's easy for us to miss, right? Because we live in a different world where salt is cheap and it's everywhere available. Last week, we ran out of salt. So you know what I did on Sunday after church? I went to Aldi. I picked up a thing that we needed and then I picked up some salt, easily available. I brought it home and we used it. And then guess what? The next day, when I went to pick up groceries for the rest of the week, because Renee and I made a list and planned that all out, I went to Aldi to get groceries again. I picked up another thing of salt, because I'm like, we ain't gonna run out of salt again, right? It's easily attainable. You can get salt. It's everywhere available. We live in a different world. So what we have to do is use our imaginations and think about these first people who heard from Jesus, the words, you are the salt of the earth, because salt wasn't plentiful. It wasn't, it wasn't super cheap and easily available. It was valuable. It was precious. So let's think about the people Jesus was speaking to. Right? If we go back to chapter four, we see that Jesus has just begun his ministry. Right? He's, called, he's called these four blue-collar, hardworking dudes, fishermen, to sort of follow him. And he's doing his thing in and around Galilee. He's teaching. Uh, He's preaching, and then Matthew tells us that he's healing every disease and sickness among the people. You can look this up in chapter 4. He's healing every disease and sickness among the people. And because he's doing these things, all of a sudden, he's becoming well-known. He's drawing large crowds. If he's healing, and he's healing every disease and sickness among the people, what kind of people are drawn to Jesus? People who are sick people who have diseases, people who need healing. Are you with me? And then Matthew tells us that large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. That's a huge chunk of real estate right there. But here's the deal about these people who needed healing. There's no indication that any of these people knew anything at all about God. There's no indication that any of these people had any spiritual qualifications whatsoever. There's no indication that these people know anything about the Bible. They don't know the law of Moses. These aren't the kind of people we'd ask to, to teach a Sunday school class. No, that's not the kind of people we're talking about. These are the poor, the marginalized, people who've been pushed aside, set aside, the sick, the lame. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, you should read that if you haven't yet. I've totally mentioned that to you like 10 times. You should read that book. He calls this crowd, these people, spiritual zeros. I've told you this before. I think we can go one step further and say these people are humanity's zeros. The people who have been pushed out, set aside, marginalized. Right? To these people, Jesus says, you 
you are the salt of the earth. To those who are not cleaned up, to those who don't have it all together, to those who've been rejected, wounded, unloved, forgotten, Jesus says, you, you, you're the salt of the earth. You are precious. You are essential. You are worthwhile. You're treasured. Some of us for years and years and years of our lives, we grew up thinking that if we're just spiritual enough, if we just read the Bible enough, if we just pray enough, if we just devotionaled enough for 30 minutes every day in the morning at 5.30, then we'd mean something to God. Then we'd be precious in the eyes of God. That, this, these words from Jesus should break that in half, those ideas, and just throw them to the side. You can trample on them too if you want to. Jesus intentionally picked something that was precious, valuable, salt. And he said to these people, that's who you are. He gave these people value. People in this world who felt like they had no value. Jesus said, you are valuable, powerful, life-giving, active in this world. You have divine value. You are salt. You are precious. Don't forget it. Please. You are the salt of the earth. Let's think more about salt. What's the best thing about salt? It's meant to be poured out. It's meant to be used up. It's meant to be given away. Salt works best when it's scattered, right? Salt works best when it dissolves into something else, right? The salt in your salt shaker at home doesn't do anybody any good until you shake a little bit of it out. Salt is meant to give of itself, which means we can't simply stay here behind the safety and security of our little salt shaker, we can't do that. We don't come here for ourselves. We can't just cluster here in our own theological bubble to make ourselves feel comfortable. It's not what we're meant to do because salt doesn't exist to enhance and preserve itself. No, it doesn't exist to enhance and preserve itself. It exists to enhance and preserve and give life to that which is not itself. It's meant to be poured out. It's meant to be given away. So we live into this when we collect gifts during Christmas for YSS. We live into this when we serve with our hands and financially give to places like the Bridge Home and Martha's House of Hope. We live into this we live into this when we publicly stand up those in our, for those in our community who are marginalized, pushed out, set aside, whom lots of people have said, you don't belong here. You are the salt 
of the earth. That's who you are. It's part of your identity. Want to know another image that Jesus gave? To sorts of gets into this idea. Take up your cross and follow me. What is a cross? What do you do on a cross? You die. That's what Jesus said. Take up your cross. Follow me. Intentionally suffer. Intentionally give your life away in love so that other people in this world might experience the fullness of life. You are the salt of the earth. You, me, we are meant to be poured out, given away. Pretty good metaphor, don't you think? Okay, one last one. Salt works best when it enhances. And it ruins when it dominates. Salt works best when it enhances. Have you ever had something to eat and you're like, man, this needs a little salt. Anyone? We just know it. None of us are gourmet cooks, at least not that I know of. And yet there are times when we're like, huh, this needs a little salt. In our house, we, uh, we sometimes make biscuits and gravy, sausage gravy. Oh, so good. Uh, but when you have a plate full of biscuits and gravy, you need a little salt and pepper on it. Uh, and I remember one of the first times we had, we had biscuits and gravy in our house, our, our, our boys were much, much littler. Um, I put too much salt on it. Oh, man, so gross. But because my kids were so little and I had to be, I had to be a good example and eat this new dish that we were making, I had to just choke it down and pretend like nothing was wrong and act like it was good because if I didn't, I knew my boys would be like, I don't like it either. Because I would influence them, right? So I had to just choke it down. I vividly remember how terrible, how horrible it was, but I knew it was my fault. And guess what? I never made that mistake again. From then on, a little salt, taste it, a little more salt, perfect. Right? But in humility, I had to swallow it and I had to recognize, nope, too much, too much salt. I'm not going to do that again. I made a mistake. Let's not ever do that again. Never made that mistake again. I learned from it, right? You are the salt of the earth. Your life. Our life together is meant to enhance, not dominate. Jesus' salt heals. It doesn't wound. Jesus' salt softens. It doesn't destroy. Problem is, and this is a problem that we've had from time to time throughout history, not just a problem today, although I think it is a problem today, Jesus' people have often forgotten this reality. Salt is a failure when it dominates. Let me say that again. Salt is a failure when it dominates. 
Salt is meant to work subversively. It's meant to work underneath the surface. It's meant to work graciously, like a seed underground. Like you don't see it, all of a sudden it grows. Like, like, like yeast in the dough. You don't see it, but it makes the, where did I get that? Those ideas are Jesus' ideas, right? It's meant to work subversively. But that's not what we're known for these days. Like, we're known for forcing. We're known for dominating. We're known for arrogance because we know it all. We're even arrogant within our own tribes, us Jesus people. Like, our theology is way better than what you think theology ought to be, so we're going to leave you to do your thing here all by alone, all by yourself, and we're going to go over here, and we're going to do it better. So, bye. Sorry. We just talk about a couple other things. Christian nationalism, that movement. It's like pouring an entire salt shaker on your biscuits and gravy. The whole thing is just... It's salt poisoning. Banning books in the name of Jesus, what are we afraid of? It's salt poisoning. I think. You might disagree. That's okay. Supporting and passing legislation that harms entire groups of people like the LGBTQ community, specifically the trans community. I think it's salt poisoning. Making that our thing, I think it's salt poisoning. Our tribe has to do better. We have to. We're not meant to dominate. We're meant to work subversively underneath the surface. We're meant to enhance. We're meant to give life to. We aren't meant to to dominate. So what do we do? What do we do? There's the question. What do we do? Because here's the problem. When we see all that stuff going on, it's tempting for us to be like, you know what, I better pull back and hide and not say anything, and not do anything. But Jesus warns us about what happens when salt loses its saltiness. Right? So I think our task is different. Just some thoughts. Maybe our task is to live more patiently. It's probably to exercise a lot more humility probably to learn from people who might know more than us, who might think differently than we do. I think it's important for us to live and listen with a sense, a deep sense of empathy. To live more wisely, to live more creatively, and I think probably with a whole lot more creativity. Friends, we are the salt of the earth. That's who we are. Whether we like it or not, we will impact the world around us. So my prayer is that in your pouring out, in my pouring out, in our pouring out together, that it would be for the life and well-being of the people outside of these walls that we might 
enhance, give some flavor to the world around us. Are you with me? Let's pray.